Good morning. Our reading today comes from Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 787. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or what you will drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food, more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single life, a single hour to your lifespan? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies in the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worrying, saying, what, we, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all of these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Good morning, church. My name is Rob Lau, and I am one of the pastors here at Ebenezer. And the woman who just read scripture for us is my wife. And today is her birthday. Of all the many gifts in my life, I am so grateful for you. I love you. Happy birthday, baby. I shared a story uh, at the Global Leadership Summit, and I want to recount it for those of you who weren't there. Um, It's from my time when I was in the Air Force. And... uh, so when I was in the Air Force, I'd, I got to do four tours uh, in the Middle East in support of Operations Iraqi and Enduring Freedom. And on my fourth tour uh, in, in the Middle East, our first mission that we were flying that night, on, I, f- I was a navigator on KC-135 tankers. Those are like gas stations in the sky. Uh, we do air-to-air refueling. And uh, my first mission of my, what would be my final and fourth and final deployment to the Middle East, our first mission, uh, we had just entered uh, the, the airspace in the area of responsibility and... Um, it was not a big deal, actually. Most of the guys I was flying with, we, we had a we had a great team. We were veterans. We uh, most of us had over a hundred combat combat support missions under our belts. We just it was something we'd done before. We just same same you know second verse same as the verse. We we were flying at our altitude. We were on speed. We we were doing what we needed to do. We had the right amount of fuel on board, which was like you know two hundred thousand pounds of fuel. It was a lot of fuel. Everything was great. The only thing that was a little weird about this night in particular was that we were flying really close to some airspace where if we crossed into that airspace, we would have gotten shot at. And we didn't want that because we didn't have any stuff to protect ourselves. So, so, but I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't worried about it at all because we had triple redundancy in the navigation air, uh, stuff on our aircraft. Triple redundancy, which means if one system went out, I had two more systems from which to navigate the aircraft that night, everything was great until I smelled smoke. 
in just an instant, everything went from being great to the cockpit lost all power. We couldn't see anything. We were quite literally flying this giant gas can blind. Fear. I'll tell you the resolution of that story towards the end of our time, but here's the thing. Fear is a giant that most all of us are going to face in the course of our lives. And and sometimes that fear is very present and we're very aware of it. We, We shake in our boots sometimes we're so afraid. Other times fear is much more insidious. It's simply anxiety, sleeplessness, tummy troubles. But all of us throughout the course of our lives, all of us are going to face this giant of fear. But the good news is this. This series is about how we whip the giants in our lives. It's about how God is able to defeat every giant that has ever reared its head. I want to start out with this conversation around fear, talking about the genesis of fear. Where does, where does fear really come from in our lives? What is the cause of fear? So I want to talk through the three causes of fear. Here's the first cause of fear. Conditioning. Some of us were conditioned to be afraid. From the time we were born, maybe, you know, some parents just ping a little higher than other parents. And, and there are some parents who just, you know, uh, is the baby wrapped up tight enough? Is it too tight? Are they too hot? Are they too cold? Can we just find a helmet to put this baby in, right? Some parents ping a little higher. And, and if we were raised, if we were conditioned to be afraid of the world around us, we know that that conditioning doesn't stop when we're little. That conditioning often continues. I'd be willing to wager that there are some people in this room today who were conditioned by their parents to be filled with anxiety and fear. And maybe some of you hear the voice of your parents still today, every day, in your head, even if your parents have been gone for 20 years. They'll say things like, I know you have a 401k, but is it the right 401k? This anxiety, this fear, some of us were conditioned to be afraid. Another genesis of fear isn't conditioning, but concealment. Concealment. What does that mean? Well, I make a mistake. I screw something up. I make a a failure in my life. And instead of confessing it, I cover it. I bury it. And my anxiety starts to grow. What if somebody finds out about my failure, my mistake, my addiction? You know, our sins weren't meant to be concealed. They were meant to be confessed. When we conceal sin, it entraps us, it imprisons us. When we confess sin, we are set free. There are two benefits of moving from concealment to confession. The first benefit of moving from concealing our sin to confessing our sin is forgiveness. The Bible makes a promise. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we confess, God will forgive. But there's a second reason we need to move from concealment to confession. And it's this. So often, what we are attempting to accomplish with our concealing of our mistakes and our failures and our vulnerabilities is we are trying to impact the way other people see us. But think about it for just a moment. 
The people in your life who have really, really, really made a difference, is it because they shared their successes with you? Probably it's because they were willing to share their failures with you. We learn a lot more. Failure is a much better teacher than success. And when we stop concealing our mistakes from one another and we confess when we are vulnerable with one another, we help each other avoid landmines that we have navigated so far in our lives. Some of us are afraid because we were conditioned. Some of us are afraid because we practice this element of concealment. But there is a third cause of fear. The third cause for fear is control. Some of us just love to be in control. We want to control stuff. We want to control our lives. We want to control other people's lives. We want to control the conversations. We want to control the agenda. And the, the fear comes in when we start to recognize that we can't control everything. And here's, here's the real problem about control. If I'm somebody who's really controlling, it's hard to get better. Because even if I get to the point that I realize that I'm a pretty controlling person, I say to myself, it's okay, I can control it. <laughs> I think that I think control might be the biggest genesis of fear in our lives, uh, and here's why: because I, I don't think we often name this, but but we might say to ourselves, "No, what I'm really afraid of is I'm afraid of cancer." So there's, there's a history of cancer in my family. I'm afraid that it's going to strike me, or I've already been diagnosed with it. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. What is it we're really saying we're afraid of? We're afraid of losing control. We're afraid that this thing out there will steal control that we believe, the illusion of control that we believe we have in our lives. We often find ourselves faced with fear because of one of these three reasons. We were conditioned into it. We practice concealment of our mistakes and our failures and our sins. Or we are trying to control things we were never meant to control. And you might say, well, all we have to do then is stop. Stop engaging in these things and fear will all of a sudden go away yes that's true if we could manifest a a transformation of our past uh, if we could ensure that we always stop sinning and if we modify our desire to be in control everything will be great you know why they call giants giants it's because they're big and they're scary and they're hard to take down Last week we talked about the story of David and Goliath and we focused on the end of the story when David whips the giant. I wanted to just share with you something from the beginning of the story. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4, the first time Goliath's name is ever mentioned in the Bible, here's what it says. A champion named Goliath from Gath came out of the Philistine camp. What's the first thing they said about Goliath? He's a champion. You know, we don't become champions. We don't just wake up one day and say, ah, today I'm going to be the champion. That's not the way it works. In order to be a champion, I have to have a proven track record of, of beating other things. One of the reasons that giants are so scary is because they have a record of success. You know, Goliath's armor alone weighed 125 pounds. There are some people in this room who couldn't even lift 125 pounds. But we're not here to make fun of the Navy. I had, I had somebody this week in the Navy make fun of the Air Force. And they forgot I have a pulpit. Can you believe that? Oh, there you go. I really mean no offense. I'm just, it's all good, good fun. Giants are big and strong and they have a record of success. 
Goliath. Like to taunt people. So, how do we defeat the giant of fear? If it's ingrained in us, how do we defeat it? I would suggest that felling the giant of fear begins with faith. The faith that our God is bigger than this particular giant. The faith that our God created us to slay giants. Yes, as we discussed last week, it will require a great deal of effort and it will require the use of some new tactics. But that's not the ace in the hole. The reason I can stand up here today and assure you that the giant of fear can fall is because what I know to be true is that our giants do not have ultimate control in our lives. They don't have the ultimate power. Our God does. God is bigger than our giants. God is more powerful than fear. I want to spend the rest of our time here today sharing with you some things I think we could do, some some tactics, some efforts, some mechanisms of faith that we could employ to help fell the giant of fear. Now, David, when he went to to fight Goliath, he picked five smooth stones out of the wadi. So I want to I want to talk to you about some stones that we could use in our lives to help bring down the giant of fear. And here's the first one. We have to remember that God is bigger than our fear. We have to remember that God is bigger than our fear. Step one of counteracting the fear in our lives is a mantra. It's a confession that God is able. God is able. My God is able to help me live a life that is not dictated by fear. Jesus said it in our scripture passage today. Jesus said, why do you worry? Don't you know God's going to take care of you? Here's the thing, church. If Jesus promised that God will take care of us, that also means God can take care of us. Our God is able. And there are maybe some of the people in this room here today who every night before we go to sleep and every morning when we wake up, we need to fill our mouths with this mantra. My God is able. My God is able. Second, the second stone that defeats fear is to set the Lord always before us. What does that mean? It means... To focus on God. Set the Lord always before. In Psalm 16 verse 8, David, the same David who defeated Goliath, wrote these words. He said, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. I have set the Lord always before me. Think about that. Why was little David able to overcome the giant Goliath? David was able to overcome his fear and topple the giant because his eyes were fixed on something bigger than Goliath. If all I stare at is my giant, I'm going to succumb to fear. But if my eyes are on the Lord, really on the Lord, all of a sudden the giant doesn't seem so big anymore. My son Brock is in second grade. He looks like he's in sixth grade, but he's in second grade. He got that from my my wife. She's just bigger, you know. No, you're not. That was a ridiculous joke, and it could be taken the wrong way. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> Sorry. My son's a big boy. He's a good kid. He's a, he's a, he's a good-sized kid. And he got off the bus this week, and he started to tell us about a conversation he'd had with our kindergartner, Parker. 
on the bus. And Andy said, wait a minute, where, where did you have the conversation? And he said, I had this conversation on the bus. And, and Andy said, wait, I thought, I thought kindergartners sat with kindergartners and then further back the bus, second graders sat together and you know, fifth graders and all that stuff. And, and Brock said, well, that's, that's normally true, but they let me sit by Parker. And we said, well, why do you sit by Parker? And without a trace of arrogance, my second grader looked at his mother and said, because if I sit by her, Nobody will pick on her. Our giants may be bigger than us, but our God is bigger than our giants. And He is always right beside us. When I set the Lord before me, when I choose to focus on God and not the giant, The giant just doesn't seem so giant anymore. Stone three that takes down the giant of fear is to give fear a name. I was really thinking about it this week and one of the amazing things about fear is the insidious nature that it often employs in our lives. I think that there are a fair number of times that we are afraid or anxious and we we either don't recognize that we're afraid and anxious or we can't name precisely why we are afraid or anxious. One of the one of the scariest times in my life, I think, was when I had just graduated from college. I was a young adult. And having just graduated from college, one of the reasons I was kind of afraid was, you know, I'd, I'd followed the formula that, that I'd, I'd been told to follow my whole life. I graduated from high school. I graduated from college. But a month out from college, I was working at an $8 an hour job. And a friend of mine who had been very close to me throughout my life, a friend of mine came and said, Rob, you've been pretty anxious recently. Do you want to tell me what's going on with you? And I said, well, I've got a crummy job. And they said, that doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like that's the answer. And I remember we talked for about an hour. It took me an hour to figure out that, you know what I was really afraid of as a young adult? I was afraid that my life wasn't going to matter. Naming our fears can be a powerful step in overcoming them. But before I lose my momentum on young adulthood, let me just say this. I know young adulthood can be scary. Ebenezer wants to be here for the young adults who are in our community. And so uh, next spring, we are going to launch our young adult ministry that we've been creating for the past several months. But we wanted to start building momentum. So I just want to let you guys know today, if you're a young adult here at Ebenezer Church, this fall we're launching four new small groups to help serve our young adults. And every month, our young adults are going on a on some kind of an activity. The first one is this Saturday. They're going tubing down the river. So if you'd like more information about that, you can check at the connection desk if you're online. Check in at the, at the online chat room. They can find you more information about that. Being a young adult can be a scary time, but there are other times that are scary and we need to name the things that we're afraid of. Why? Because when we give fear a name, we can give that fear to God. When we give fear a name, we can then give that fear to God. God, I'm afraid of what's going on with my child, my job, my house, my bills. Once we name it, we can give it to God. Stone number four. We have to fill our lips and our mouths with praise. We have to fill our mouths with praise. The antidote to fear is faith. And the soundtrack of faith is praise. The antidote to fear is faith. And the soundtrack of faith is praise. 
Released from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt, he called me his friend. When death was arrested and my life began. That's what we just sang. Here's what we're about to sing in a moment. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again. Into a family, your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. When we praise, we are reminded of the greatness and the magnificence of our God. I love the way Isaiah says it in chapter 61 of his book. He says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What's that mean? It means that praise lifts our hearts. Four stones. That can help us take down the giant of fear in our lives. First is the mantra, my God is able. Secondly, I have to set the Lord always before me because when I focus on God and not the giant, the giant doesn't seem so big anymore. Third, I need to name the thing I fear because when I name it, I can give it to the one who commands me to cast my cares upon him. And number fourth, we, number four, we need to fill our mouths with praise. Now, One of the things I recognize is that some of us are a bit retentive, maybe controlling. And you might say, Pastor, um, David picked up five stones and uh, you only gave us four. First of all, David only needed one stone. Amen? Right? But there is a fifth stone. And in order to tell you about the fifth stone that can help us take down the giant of fear, I've got to return to the story I started with here today. So just to remind you, We were flying through Iraqi airspace, very close to enemy airspace. We were going fast. We were really high uh, in the air. We uh, had a lot of fuel on board, and there was a fire. I think it's fair to say that as experienced as we all were, we were afraid. In fact, it came out later that what happened on the jet had never happened before in the 50-year history of this aircraft. It was a fluke. But we didn't give ourselves into fear um, we did what our training had taught us how to do. As the navigator, it was my job to take the communications. Now, they weren't working, but I was troubleshooting, trying to get communication back to tower. And at the same time, I was supposed to navigate the aircraft and keep us out of the, the bad guy's airspace. By the way, you might say, well, if you lost all your navigation equipment, how were you navigating the aircraft? Do you remember, like on your granddad's pickup truck, there was one of those wet compasses? Sometimes they were called a whiskey compass because back in the day they filled them with alcohol because it didn't freeze at altitude. Uh, like a $4 piece of equipment. That's what I was using to navigate this $50 million aircraft and keep us out of the bad guy's airspace. It's amazing what God will provide that we didn't ever think we would ever need, right? So there we are. I'm, I'm doing communications and trying to navigate the aircraft. Our boom operator, he's fighting the fire. The co-pilot's running the emergency checklist. Our aircraft commander, the pilot, has taken control of the aircraft. We started getting something called non-gyro vectors when we finally got communications back. And that just means that, that the tower was, was directing us when to turn and when not to turn. And they, they directed us to Kuwait International Airport. We'd never, any of us, landed at Kuwait International Airport. And Kuwait International Airport has two runways. And one of them was under construction. And wouldn't you know, they vectored us to the one that was under construction. As if it wasn't a bad enough night already, right? But my aircraft commander was outstanding. And as we're coming in for that final approach, he, he saw that we were lined up on the incorrect runway and he made this massive turn to the right. He had one chance, one chance to land the aircraft and he nailed it. So here's the fifth lesson. When we are afraid, we need to build a team. 
We are all, we're going to face the giant of fear. Every one of us, everyone in this room, we will face the giant of fear, but we do not have to face that giant alone. I'm alive today because of an outstanding team and a tremendous leader and officer. By the way, the pilot who saved my life that night, his name was Captain Brock Sterrett, now Colonel Brock Sterrett. And if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because we named our son after him. God is bigger than the things that we fear, church. And we have to remind ourselves of that sometimes out loud as a confession of faith. My God is able, but then we have to understand that there are some things that when we do them, it makes our giants seem less severe. When we focus on God, the giants in our lives get smaller. When we name our fears and give them to God, the giants diminish. When we fill our mouths with praise, Goliath shrinks. And when we surround ourselves with the love and support of the people God has placed in our lives, before long, that giant that robbed us of sleep and our peace and our praise is lying on the path behind us as we are stepping into God's intended future. With God's help, in these five smooth stones, giants will fall. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for every story that belongs to every man and woman and child in this room. We have all had fear. We have all had sleepless nights and anxiety-ridden mornings. We've all faced this giant. And we'll all face it again. Remind us, O God, that you are able. You are great. You are able. And then give us your grace to focus on you, not the giant. Give us your grace to name the thing that we're afraid of, and then hand it over to you. Give us your grace to have our mouths filled with praise, to trade our anxiety for the magnificence of our God, and give us your grace to lean on those around us. Thank you, God. Thank you that no matter how difficult the time or the season in our lives, you are there. We give you thanks. And in this moment, we fill our mouths with praise for your name. For you are the one who conquered the giants of sin and death and hell for us. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.